Good morning, church. Wasn't that a good word? Thanks, Joe. It's a good word. Uh, how many of you are grateful for, during this time, all of the words that we get before this offering moment? Yeah? <laughs> they're, they're, uh, I know we, we gave a plug for drummers, but if there's anybody else who has the gift of uh, social media and communications, I know that team would love to have you aboard because what we love to do in addition to, to posting the sermons is having those many sermonettes, if you will, also shared. Because if you go back over this last year and a half, there's like a dozen or more sermons on what it looks like to give of our lives and then certainly of our time, talent, and treasures as well. So Joe and all those who get to share from the stage in that regard, thank you. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we do rejoice, and we are glad in it. Psalm 118 and 24. I don't know what side of the bed you woke up on, but you woke up. So it's a day we can rejoice and say thank you, Jesus, for allowing us the privilege of coming to church and giving you glory for all that you've done uh, for us. My name is Paul. It's a privilege to serve as pastor of this congregation. Uh, It's nice to see all of you here and those live streaming as well. Thank you for taking an hour and eight minutes or so out of your day to spend in worship with us. As always, a shout out to every volunteer that's here. Uh, Because you give of yourselves so selflessly, uh, Victory Group leaders who throughout the week are opening up homes and Panera and wherever else you're meeting, uh, we are who we are as the church because of God's grace through you. So thank you for serving uh, in the ways that you do. We missed y'all last week. For those not here last week, good to see you. Uh, but we missed you. We were home uh, in Northern Virginia. We have homes everywhere. Grew up in New York. Home is Charlottesville. Home is also Northern Virginia, where we spent seven or eight of years of our lives uh, uh, there in Grace Covenant Church, our sending church. And Chantilly gave us the privilege of sharing uh, last week for all three of their services. And it was a privilege to be there, and it was hard to be away. And so we're glad to be back. Did y'all enjoy Pastor Sean? Yeah, it's good. I must publicly say that he is married to Crystal, and his children's names are Christopher, Christian, Cameron, and Kaylee. He said, brother, what in the, how long have we known each other? I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I think I called his fourth one, Caden. Uh, you know. Good brother. I'm glad he was able to be here. We're going to have to have him back because I think the first time he came, I wasn't here. And I said, next time you come, I'm going to be here. And then I wasn't when he came back. So we'll, we'll have him back. But it's neat to be in community with folks, folks who aren't just guest speakers. They're family. I know Pastor Sean is praying for us pretty often. Um, and we, we've known him for years. Um, there's accountability. There's sharpening. There's obviously word from the Lord that he was able to share with you last week. And so we'll continue that. Each month we're going to have those within uh, just the larger C Church come and share with us out of what God can only say through them. And next month we have Jim Critcher coming back where we scheduled him, uh, as well as uh, Chris Johnson. Those of you familiar with our sister church in Harrisonburg, Divine Unity Community Church, also known as Duck, he'll be with us next month. Our sister Charlene Brown will be with us in April. If the, those of you who know Charlene, uh, she used to run uh, One Way in Varsity here at UVA. And, and on and on throughout the year, we'll just be blessed by uh, the many voices that are a part of our extended family. But it's great to be home. It's great to break open a word with you this morning. So let's do that. Turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 2. 
and actually while you're doing that, college students, um, you saw the, the website on the screen, but I would encourage you to fill out a connect card, either a hard copy one or the one through the app, because Victory Church would like to sponsor you if you want to go. February 21st and 22nd, Friday, Saturday, things start that Friday night, and then they go all day Saturday, and we'd love to be able to just kind of relieve you of what might be a stressor as it relates to the financial uh, aspect of that. So please do that if you, uh, if you want to go. Galatians chapter 2, we'll look at verses 18 through 21. It's been like a year, I was looking, since we've been in the book of Galatians, and um, I was listening to the messages from January, just kind of reflecting on those. I listened to Pastor Sean's message around four or five times. It was so good. And, and so we, I said, Lord, are we, we're going to shift up. And I think we're going to shift a little bit this morning and come back to the book of Galatians that we, that we haven't preached from for about a year. So as to build, hopefully, on some of what Pastor Sean shared last week and even two weeks ago, which was the last time that I happened to be with you. Galatians chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. Before we, we read, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the richness of your word that allows us to grow, that allows us the relief of not having to rely on our own strength. Pray that you'd open up our eyes so that we can see all that is in your law today, so that we can not just leave here top-heavy with more intellectual knowledge, but that it would drop 18 inches or so to our hearts and be applied to our everyday living so that our sphere of influence can be impacted for the kingdom. Encounter us in a way that only you can. Soften each of our hearts in a way that we can receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series this month, if you didn't know, entitled Victory, uh, which happens to be the name of our church. Long before we ever gather here more formally, there was a resounding impression on my heart that the victory that we desperately seek in life, particularly as it relates to reconciliation to God and each other, has already been won in God. And as such, this church plant wouldn't be a striving necessarily of our own doing, though we work. But it would be more so a leaning into and embracing of what God's already done and allowing him through us as his conduits here in the earth to see what his power and only his power can accomplish. So we're going to kick off or build on Pastor Sean's uh, message from last week in this sermon series entitled Victory. Read with me. Galatians chapter 2 verses 18 through 21 reads this way. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Turn to one neighbor and just tell them, live by faith. Now the other neighbor feels ignored, so turn to them. <laughs> tell them the same thing, live by faith. And I pray that that declaration with our mouths today will also translate further into the reality of our lives. Um, and the, the main point or emphasis of today is that faith in Christ activates our victory. Faith in Christ activates uh, our victory. 
at one point in time, I may have shared this here, I think I have, uh, one of our children, uh, we have three little ones, one of her common sayings was, I got this. I got this, is what she would say. Can daddy help you, you know, get your shoes on? I got this. How about your coat? Can I help you get this on? No, no, I got this. One time I was privileged to drive this little one to school. It's usually at a time where I have to be elsewhere, and Taylor does, but one day I was able to do it. I said, Daddy gets to drive you to school today. She said, no, 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 no. I got this. (laughs) Really. And on some level, we can appreciate that, right? There's a, a growth from you need help with shoes to needing help with your coat to helping one of our children now with multiplication and division. And, and by the grace of God someday, and I'm not rushing this, but, but the privilege will be for me to help them learn how to drive. We build from one thing to the next, from one lesson on to the next lesson. <coughs> needing help and then not needing help so much at other times. And the same, I would say, applies to us as Christians, does it not? Hebrews 6 actually says, let us... Let us sort of leave the foundations and move forward to maturity. Essentially, let us grow in the faith. Build on the foundation of repentance. Build on it, but let's not stay there. Let's move on to maturity. And yet, there's a slippery slope there as well in that we can find ourselves feeling like we have got it, like my child, and leaving faith behind And instead, leaning more so on the structures and the disciplines, all of which are good, and the practices and the customs that we think, if we adhere to, would allow us to be just fine. And if you're here and maybe you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, for us, that might look like, you know, Lord, I remember when you met me. I remember where I was. I remember, gosh, just kind of the impact that you had on my life when I first said yes to you. But I'm kind of good now. I think I got it all figured. I got the system. I got, I got the boundaries. I've got the people. I've got the accountability measures in place. And if I just do that, I'm good. Or maybe you're not in relationship with Christ yet. And you're saying, you know, I, I think I'm just going to kind of refine this set of rules or my system of customs to help me be a better version of myself. And find the kind of victory that. I so desperately seek. Apostle Paul here in the book of Galatians, just as some context, it's it's, uh, a rather vigorous apologetic or defense of the gospel. Um, A defense for the biblical truth that we are justified not by our works, but by, in fact, Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. We're not sanctified by all of the legalistic sort of ways that we check off the boxes, but rather it's by obedience that comes from faith in God's work for us in us and through us by the grace and the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so the Apostle Paul, who we know has written a significant portion of the New Testament, including this letter to the group of, a group of churches in Galatia, was trying to push back on this false doctrine that we needed to be circumcised in order to be accepted by God. Now, you may be sitting here, I hope not, clinging to the notion that we need to be circumcised as our ticket to salvation. But even if we're on that same page, there are things in our time like theirs that creep in to our own lives that if we're not careful, so subtly suggest to us, if I just do these things, 
if I just adhere to these customs, if I can just check off these boxes, establish some customs, reestablish some in the place of faith in the work of Jesus, I'll be all right. If I work out three or four times a week, if I get my coffee at the top of the day before I talk to anybody, I don't understand that, but I, heard, I hear that that's a thing. If I got to read however many number of pages a day to kind of, you know, leaders are readers, but not all readers are leaders, that thing. Like if I've got to do that, I've got to call my accountability partners. All of these things could creep in in such a way that all of a sudden faith that really activates the victory we seek is left behind. And so Paul, uh, after beginning this book of Galatians with a defense of his apostolic authority, chapters 1 and 2, and that his commission was directly from God and not from other apostles, he goes on then to show the real nature of the Mosaic law. The real design of it was really to lead us into Jesus Christ, circumcision in particular. It was not necessary in and of itself for justification, which is our being declared righteous, but it was just really a matter of helping us see Jesus and be led to him. Earlier in chapter 2, we learned that some of the churches were being compelled by false believers again to reestablish some of those older customs. And so Paul here, in his explanation of why this is dangerous and wrong, says in verse 18 of our text this, if he were to rebuild what he destroyed, if he were to advocate for reinstituting the law again, if he were to preach that going back to rule following, we could somehow save ourselves, he himself would be a lawbreaker. He'd be violating the law of God, which says that Jesus only is the fulfillment of the law, such that only through faith in him can we be saved. So he's pleading with them, in essence saying, do not go there, please. Verse 19, he says, through the law, I died to the law. In other words, we tried the systems of rules already. It all wasn't that bad. Circumcision, for example, I hear has some health benefits. Going to the gym is good. Reading is good. Giving to the less fortunate is good. But if we read further into Galatians, into the third chapter, around verse 18, we see that if the inheritance that we have in Christ depended on our adherence to the law, our set of rules, then it would cease to depend on the promise given to Abraham hundreds of years before the law ever came. And we know from Hebrews 11, where the hall of faith is, where it says, uh, Abram believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. It wasn't when he checked off the boxes, though he did, Genesis 26 and 4, the Lord says, he did obey and he kept all of the requirements. So we do need to do some things, but it's not in his doing, nor is it in ours that we find the salvation, that we find the victory that we so desperately seek. But it's faith in Christ that activates our victory. And so Paul is saying, do not fall prey to this false teaching, that somehow our attempts at self-improvement is making us more holy. Our becoming version 2.0, I think, is the, the language that Pastor Sean used last week, which can so deceptively and dangerously have us fall short of needing to die to ourselves being crucified with Christ and allowing him to live in and through us. So the first question I want to pose is what well-meaning customs, maybe even biblical, might we be attempted or tempted to establish or reestablish in place of living by faith as we pursue victory in our lives? 
Maybe it's volunteering at the Haven. Maybe it's being a big through Madison House, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Maybe it's given to this particular foundation or that foundation. Maybe it's giving tithes and offering a biblical admonishment even. Maybe if it's practicing for hours on our craft, again, a good thing, 10,000 hours, get it done, be the best. Maybe it's giving this or that to this family or that family that we feel needs what we have. Maybe it's even serving on every ministry here at Victory Church. All good things, but void of faith, Paul is saying, is just a custom, a well-intentioned custom. But the main event here in this text is Paul's reinforcement of the fact that it's not in the custom, that it's faith in Christ, the work on the cross that activates the victory that we seek. Hebrews 11 and 6 says it this way, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And as such, here in our text in verse 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what makes the church the church, and not just Victory Church, but the larger C church, is that we recognize that it's not in and of our own capacity that we achieve victory. But it was achieved through the work on on the cross by Jesus Christ, the hill called Golgotha. That victory has already taken place, and in many ways, we're becoming who we already are in him. Faith in Christ activates that victory. But living by faith in Christ can be very uncomfortable. There's tension in every text, and we love to find it. And so the tension for us here in this text many times is that we want control which is the very antithesis and opposite of what it looks like to live in Jesus Christ. The appearance, though, of of, uh, the deceptive appearance of control and the adherence to some law or set of rules can be very enticing. The deceptive comfort to feeling like we can do what we need to do to accomplish what we want. We can even start comparing ourselves to another so as to feel better about ourselves and our self-esteem versus God-esteem. Like, I serve on three ministries. How about you? (laughs) I smoke weed, but I don't smoke that other stuff. Like, whatever rules we set up in our mind that makes us here and somebody else there. We can go on with that, right? I am on this many boards, and you're not. I've only been divorced once. You've been divorced how many times? Like, what, what rules we set up that make us then start looking to sort of the horizontal, right, for the approval, and in some ways, some kind of standing, if you will, with God. Like, I'm good because of X number of rewards that I receive through the workplace, for example. And it's incredibly slippery, one, because we're not even capable in and of ourselves to keep the law. We cannot. Secondly, when we value control over faith, the lure of human approval becomes even stronger, We're going to put our faith somewhere. And so what we often do is we extend our faith to that which is most close to being seen or controlled, as we think. We put our faith in man. If I do this and I do this and I do this, I'll get this approval. I'll be rewarded. And somehow that's an outward sign of God's favor in my life. And now I am in good standing 
God is with me. Did you see what I, and I'm not saying don't be the best, get all the rewards and promotions and all that that you can get on your jobs for the kingdom of Jesus. But when we're looking to that, that can be a problematic thing. The subtlety of it all. And in many ways, verse 21 kind of speaks to this. Our faith can be drawn away from Christ toward the temporal, which has us doing, which Paul says, do not do, setting aside the grace of God. If you go back early to the first chapter of Galatians around the 10th verse, he says this much. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so when we're unable or we refuse, maybe in some cases, to extend our faith to Christ, essentially we're stiff-arming the death of Christ and all of the benefits accrued. Verse 21 says, If righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Second question. What victory in our lives remains dormant because of our lack of activated faith? It's like walking around with an ATM card, right? And you never call the 800 number. There's access, but there's not. Or being on a cruise ship, which Taylor and I used to take cruises all the time. Royal Caribbean, we, we loved it until we went on one around Christmas time. It's another story in New Jersey, and the Atlantic Ocean was off the chain, and it was choppy, and all the people on the boat were like, you chose to be here. We had to. <laughs> the whole trip, we're going back and forth. But it's like being on a cruise ship. Having your ticket paid for and staying in your room. I can control here. I'm good. I'm, I can, there's some things I can kind of see what I have in this room, this, this closet of a room. But you're missing the midnight buffet and the victory that comes through that. You're missing, you're missing volleyball. <laughs> you're missing volleyball on the top deck. You're missing whatever it is that you might, the pool on the top, you're missing out on the victory that's available to you because of what you're settling on, you have somewhat control over in your room. On another front, it reminds me of even the victory that we have in Jesus Christ that allows us to persist through the lack of earthly, culturally driven victory in the earth. I think about the many that go before us, but to name a couple, one who was a former slave, ordained Baptist minister after the Civil War, John Jasper. I think about the woman who, born a slave, bought and sold four times, never learned to read or write, found her way out, ran away, was helped by somebody to purchase her freedom, went on to preach the gospel and fight, uh, uh, for abolition of slavery, dictated her entire memoir, Sojourner Truth. I, I think of her. I think of Martin Luther King, of course. I think of James Cone, who through ministry and education fought against racism. I think of Adam Clayton Powell. I think of Benjamin Elijah Mays. And how, if they were to have looked just for the victory here, how many, how many failures supposedly did they encounter? There must have been a victory beyond that that they could look to and say, we see and embrace your victory, which allows us to persist in what we're trying to accomplish here in the earth. We see the victory won over 2,000 years ago when our sins were nailed to a cross, past, present, and future. And because of that victory, 
Today we can have Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Things that go way beyond what our sphere of influence and human approval could ever give us. But it takes faith to activate that victory. It takes an extension of what he's given each of us a measure of, Romans 12 and 3, Romans 12 and 3 says. Extending it and saying, Lord, help me through my hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on the word of God to add to my faith, 1 Peter 5 says, in such a way that allows me to experience the victory that you want me to in this suffering. Peace. I can't see that victory. Help me to see that. Help me to see. Help me to extend faith that says my marriage can be healed. Help me to extend faith that says in this space where I am discouraged and downtrodden for whatever reason, that I am more than a conqueror, Romans 8 and 37. Through Jesus Christ who loved me, help me to activate my faith so that victory can be mine. Because when that's the case, oh, the victory that we strive to see here at the horizontal level, his power conquered death and the grave. I think in extending faith to him, he can accomplish any and more of those things that we see. Amen? Amen. Faith activates our victory. And so the admonishment, the encouragement, the challenge to each of us this morning for this week, perhaps this next month, is to consider. Consider the areas of our lives in which we have yet to extend faith to a holy God who wants us to experience victory in that space. And the good news is it's not about our striving to do so. He says, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We can rest in him and say, Lord, I need you to add. I need you to add to the faith that you've given me already. Help me. Help me. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training up in righteousness. We thank you for the word of God that allows us the privilege of seeing just how your victory is so over and above the victories we seek. How your victory of a sound mind, your victory of peace that passes understanding, your victory of unspeakable joy amidst happenings that suggest otherwise, your victory of good standing with you, of being declared righteous, comes only when we activate our faith in you. For it's by your grace, through our faith, that we can obtain eternal life and that we can then see, as the Lord's Prayer says, your will done on earth as it is in heaven. And with our eyes closed and heads bowed, there may be someone sitting here in the audience who has yet to really tap into for the first time the victory that comes along with being a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. There may be others in the room who have made the decision for Jesus Christ in the past, but your life looks nothing like what you think it ought to look based on the decision that you made. And now you want to make a change. Either one of those categories. If that's you, raise your hand. We just want to pray with and for you. I see that hand. Once it's up, you can put it down. Those who have raised their hands here or live streaming, just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity 
to repent, to turn away from everything the Bible calls sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for the opportunity to be relieved of the pressure of striving to obtain that which you've already obtained for me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I commit today following you with all of my heart. And lastly, I recognize that this life in Jesus is not meant to be a storm-free life. In fact, we're not promised that at all. But that in you, it's a storm-proof one. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the angels in heaven, the Bible.